working, so uh, I'm in trouble if this doesn't open for me because the content is what? Stop. Okay, let's try this one more time. Everybody pray for me. Reach your hands out. I turned 60 and now, what in the world? Huh? I know, it said I have caps on, but I don't. I don't have caps on. Let's try it again. Boy, here we go. And that's not because I just turned 60, so stop. Here's a great testimony. Um, last week I talked about the, we're in a series. Hey, you two. You're married now. That's awesome. And you're smiling. That's awesome too. That's great. Just wait. Anyway. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's my wife goes. I love my, having my wife back in church because she, yeah. Because she, she does this when I'm saying something I shouldn't. And when I'm doing an illustration that's not working, but I keep trying to work it, she does this. Some, I tell her, you know, God called you to be my help meet, not my help mocker. So it's, just stop. Anyway, so we're in a series on restoration. Jesus spoke to me prophetically that this year he's doing rapid restoration in multiple areas of our lives. And that's two, four, five, or seven times what the original condition was. Uh, whatever area you're believing God for. So last week I um, taught on the restoration of friends and family. And I got this uh, email from Daryl Lee Hamilton, who is on our staff. So my dad went to the hospital suddenly last week. When he was uh, finally able to have the strength to talk, he called to tell me. I wasn't exactly sure how severe the situation was, but I knew it wasn't good. My sister and my dad haven't spoken in about five years. Uh, I want to welcome the online community as well. Uh, It's great to have you here today. Um, Every time I would encourage my sister to open that door, the answer was always no. But I thought it would only be right to let her know that he was in the hospital so she could decide if she wanted to reach out or not. To my complete surprise, she decided to go see him the next day. After five years of hurt, anger, and silence, they immediately put it all aside. As I was thinking about how great it is that they have broken their silence, I felt God remind me of what we have all been praying and fasting for, restoration. And for a second, I was like, but God, I didn't even think to pray for the restoration of their relationship. And then he immediately reminded me of a moment in worship this last Sunday where I was, we were singing, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And during that moment in worship, I began speaking the name of Jesus over every one of my family members by their name. So even though I may not have thought to pray for the restoration of the relationship, Jesus knew what they needed. And just like we sang in the song, his name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. He brought life to a relationship that was once dead and healing to their hearts in an instant. I love it. The Bible says that Jesus follows the word preached with signs following. And uh, I believe the same thing for today. Um, Our women's pastor, Shelly Cowpersmith, contacted me and said in this restoration series i think it would be great if you taught on the restoration of women and i thought that go ahead yeah 
And so I said, no, I'm kidding. So I said, uh, that is a brilliant idea. And so that's what we're going to do for the next two weeks. As I did my message, there was no way I could do this in one message. I couldn't do it in two. But we're going to do enough for women to feel empowered uh, to be all that God has designed you to be. And my message is titled, Jesus, the Great Restorer of Wisdom, uh, Women, and Wisdom. Well, Proverbs, listen, Proverbs 8 calls wisdom a woman, right? So, that wasn't confusion, that was prophetic. Jesus, so here we go. I am so excited to teach these next couple Sundays on this topic. Uh, because women have been beat on since the fall in the Garden of Eden. They are the most oppressed group of people on the planet. And there are reasons behind that, and some are spiritual, which we'll look into. Um, but Jesus is the greatest champion of women that ever was and ever will be. He started the first women's lib movement. Jesus came to restore all things, and that includes the honor, the dignity, the capacity, and the place of wisdom of, I keep, of women on a global scale. And so I want us to look at a very foundational text here of Jesus bringing restoration to the whole planet, and then we're going to laser down on how he restores women. Acts 3.19.21 says this, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive into the times of restoration of all things. Isn't that an awesome phrase? That's his mission. He's on a restoration mission of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophet since the world began. Now, You see how the restoration of all things begins with repentance. We have our perceptions of men, women, boys, girls, black, white, right, Uh, ethnicities. We have our perceptions. We have our beliefs. We have our behaviors toward one another or toward anything in life. Toward money, toward ourselves, toward the church. Whatever perceptions you have. They are inaccurate. Measures of them might be okay, but it's not God's perspective until you and I repent. Repent means to turn away from self-sufficiency in any capacity. You find yourself being self-sufficient, whether it's uh, for your own salvation, uh, whether it's for your own wisdom, your own direction in life, whatever it might be, you turn to Jesus That's what repentance is, turning away from yourself and and your independence and self-sufficiency to Jesus and complete absolute dependency. My thoughts don't count. Your thoughts are the only ones that count. Now put your thoughts in my mind. Put your heart in my heart. Put your ways into my character, into my ways. It's about transformation. That's where repentance begins. And transformation begins. And so I want to do this as it relates to God's perspective of women. We certainly cannot get our perspective from our current culture. It is so confused. It is hard to draw anything from it of redeeming value. When we remove ourselves 
from God's divine design and his, uh, this, this life-giving book that he's given to us that explains everything to us. When we move away from that, we're confused. We are in confusion. And we re- redefine everything. And I've never seen it worse than it is today. So let's go back to the Bible. Amen? Let's get God's clarity on these things. And let's walk in that. So Genesis. To be able to do this well, we have to, today we have to begin in the beginning. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. Then God said, everybody say, then God said. God said. Right, it's His voice that matters to us on these things. Let us speaking of the Trinity, make mankind in our image. He already made everything else, all the animals, all of creation. He waited for the best for last. Nothing else was made in God's image. We are not animals. We are human beings made in the image of God. Nothing else was made in the image of God. Nothing else has the capacity of God but human beings. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, every living creature that moves on the ground. Say this out loud with me and emphasize the bold parts. God created. God blessed. God said to. Okay, he didn't say it to Adam. He said it to That's right. The first thing God did after he created them was bless them. And then he said to them, be fruitful, that is reproducing, and multiply, and subdue the earth. God's design for the man and the woman, especially the husband and wife, was not to compete, but to complement. God created Adam first, yes. But then it says he took Eve out of the side chamber, is what the Hebrew word means, the side chamber, not the foot to where man would uh, trample on women, not the hand to where she would serve him, not the head where she would dominate him, or, but from the side. Men and women are equal. but different. Adam was male and female. He was created in the image of God. And then God took the female out of Adam and made the female. That's why he says when the two come together, they become one flesh and they perfectly reflect the glory of God. That is why when men and women compete against one each other and tear each other down, they are destroying the image of God. That is why for men to feel great about themselves, we aren't to put women down. And for women to feel great about themselves, the answer is not to put men down. We are not to put each other down. We are to raise each other up. When my wife, when God spoke to her to be a scientist, certainly there are people, especially in the church world, or maybe there are women that don't think that Women should be in the marketplace. I love this marketplace ministry that Julie and Christina are starting. That was my favorite Bible study I've ever done. I call it Marketplace Ministers. 
There's only a handful of people behind the pulpit, but God's people are everywhere on the planet. You're all ministers. Whether you're in high school, middle school, elementary school, on a sports team, at work, in politics, wherever you are. That is your mission field. You are the salt and light of the world there. I am to, I'm your coach. I'm to equip you. And Sunday mornings is the locker room at halftime. Right? And I'm going I'm, I'm to pump you up and get you to go out there and kick some devil butt. Right? And save the world. Right? These religious systems to put clergy way up here and then the common folk way down here is not biblical at all. In fact, I'm down here and I'm lifting you guys up and sending you out. That's my job. And a husband and wife are to do that with one another. So God called me to pioneer this church and hope came by my side. And she has helped me every step of the way. And, uh, you know, we do this 301 where we help people find their spiritual gifts, right? We do it for everybody. How about for the pastor's wife? Well, no, she's a pastor's wife. So we have the box for her, right? She needs to oversee the children's ministry or over the intercessors or, or something like that, right? Or the women's ministry. Well, when God spoke to her audibly, Global Health Initiative, she'd never heard of it before. She looks it up, and we had been trying to find the right fit for her. Look, she, she was the personal assistant to a senior pastor of a 6,000-member church. She homeschooled all of his kids. I mean, she helped. It was, the, it was the leading cell church of the nation. That's why I met her. I went there to learn about cell church with other people on my staff, and I saw her, and I wanted her, and I got her. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking she's going to be my pastor. She's going to be my wife. She's going to be a pastor's wife. Who's going to do such and such and such. That was my paradigm. God called her to be a scientist and operate on a global scale where she's training generals of armies in Africa, ambassadors or at the round table other scientists from other countries, and she's training them to fight the AIDS epidemic, and her real passion is to work with AIDS orphans. She's a modern-day Mother Teresa, and she's doing it through the sciences. I'm in that heart. I'm not putting you at her level. It's the heart of Mother Teresa. And God tricked me because you're hot. And then, and then I get this Mother Teresa in a hot body, and I was like, hot woman. I was like, you tricked me. Because now she, she blew apart my box that I had in my mind of what my wife's role would be. Side chamber, equal but different. God called her to be a scientist. And so she looked up Global Health Initiative. And as we looked at it on the computer, I was like, honey, that's you. That is you. I call it the crosshairs where your skill set and passions and her world need meet. That's the crosshair. I said, that's you. So she started taking two classes online at night with what we had four children at the time. And there are people that are saying, well, she shouldn't be doing that. She's neglecting her husband and, and her children. And she should be this and she should be that. And I'm like, well, how about we allow the pastor's wife, and this is just one example, a pastor's wife to take the 301 also and find out what spiritual gifts God has given to her as a unique woman on the planet and it's outside of everybody's expectations and the way god opened doors for her to get through 12 years of school 
and to get her degree and end up in Africa and, and just doing something that was just marvelous. And I'm believing she's going to be restored and get back to doing that again. But I had to make adjustments when I saw what God's will was for this woman this man had to make adjustments in my role to accommodate and to support what she was doing. And she's supporting what I am doing. This is what God's talking about with Adam and Eve. You guys together dominate. Dominate the earth. Don't dominate each other. But we've turned on one another. Not hoping I. But we as the human race have turned on one another. Because we fell from glory. Adam and Eve were supposed to dominate together, dominate the earth, including the devil who was about to enter the scene. And they failed. And rather than ruling over the devil, Satan attacked them separately. He divided and conquered. That's why you got to watch out for in-laws. Well, praise God. I say that because research shows... The four number one causes of the four causes of divorce, the top of the list, is communication, money, sex, and in-laws. Because when you have in-laws that are 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 taking your side of your struggle in your marriage, and usually it's on the side that the spouse comes from, of course, they love you and they want to protect you. They if they start sowing seeds into your mind and into your heart against your spouse, that's that's demonic. You got to stay together. Surround yourself with people who will help you. That, that's why it's so important for the, the, for the older women and the older men in our congregation to mentor young couples. And so Satan came in, separated them, and conquered them. And they began to blame each other. They shamed each other, they fell from glory, and the earth fell, to, fell into chaos. I mean, the, the battle of the sexes did not begin in the 70s. They began right here. And it's been going on ever since. And since that time, as I was saying earlier, women have been the most oppressed people group on the planet, except for in some cultures where it's matriarchal, but still, it's distorted. And here's one of the main reasons. Look at what this curse God put, well, the curse that ensued because of their uh, disobeying God and submitting to the devil. And the devil, therefore, Adam and Eve had rulership, management over the entire planet. And they gave it to the devil when they submitted to him. And so a curse was put into the earth. And here's God speaking to uh, the devil. And I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman. Isn't that interesting? Not between you and the man. I will put open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed, capital S, I mean, not, not no, your seed, not capital S, for the devil, your seed, your offspring, and her seed, capital S, which is Jesus. This is a prophetic word for Jesus coming about 4,000 years later. He shall fatally bruise your head. 
that is Jesus crushing Satan's power on the cross, and you shall only bruise his heel. That was the crucifixion. Satan did not know when the seed was going to come, so he began tormenting and oppressing and pushing down women from the very start. Knowing the seed, his demise, the king that was going to come, the Messiah, was going to come through a woman. So he is battling against women ever since. And once Jesus came, out of revenge and spite and desperation, he's been doing it ever since the cross. God wants to use every resource possible to restore women. And one of the, one of the, one of the things he wants to use is men. He created men to provide and to protect to affirm. That's why the fatherless generation is devastating for boys and girls. And then we grow up trying to prove ourselves because we did not get the affirmation that we so desperately needed from a father or from male covering. You know, God did make Adam the head of the relationship. But we have to understand headship. Headship is not to control and oppress. Headship is to... uh, to, to raise up. Headship, I'm responsible. Jesus put it this way. He said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to jump one verse, and we're going to come back. In Matthew 20, 24 through 28, uh, this is when uh, the disciples were fighting for leadership. I want to be at the top. I want to be in charge. So I can control. So I can administrate, right? And Jesus says, you guys have the wrong heart about leadership, about headship. You don't understand the purpose of being in a leadership position. Next week, I'm going to continue this message with women in leadership. There are three verses in the entire Bible that have been used to oppress women ever since the church was originated. And we're going to look at what those three verses actually say. That's next week. That'll be fun. But here's what Jesus says about headship. When the ten other disciples heard that James and John had asked what they had asked, they were indignant. They were asking to be at the top of Jesus' uh, political cabinet. But Jesus called them together and said, you know, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Everybody say, among you, it will be different. Here's Jesus' paradigm of headship. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. And all the women are like, that's right. You're my slave. For, every, every, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gave this model of leadership to serve others and to give their life for other people's success. But here's what happened. Let's go back up to Genesis chapter uh, 3, verse 16. So first he talks to the devil and says, you and the woman are going to be warring forever. And then he says uh, to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and pain you, uh, you will give birth. 
and you will desire to control your husband, and, but he will rule over you. Hmm. Stop looking at you guys. I wasn't looking at you. I just glanced over in this direction. You guys aren't there yet. What, what, what originated as partnership turned into what this, this, this curse is the woman now tries to control to get uh, control of the headship. And the man who's supposed to be supportive and protective and pro- providing and, and, and affirming and honoring is now dominating. And so we've had this ever since. It's very difficult in a fallen, nature, fallen world to get this right. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the heart of God and to be led by Him in our relationships with everybody. You see that, back on the point of headship, there has to be a head over every organization, whether it's a marriage, a family, a sports team, a corporation, politics, a classroom, a board. I mean, you can't have a two-headed anything. It's a monster. There has to be a head. But, and I'm not going to go on and continue to teach on leadership, but headship is about servanthood, not about oppression. But that's what it's been like ever since the fall. Who's ever in charge oppresses, unless they have the heart of a servant. And then leadership is redeemed. Can I hear an amen? But women throughout history have been oppressed and have had to fight to allow to function in the fullness of their divine design. Our own nation subjugated women at the start, and they began to rise up in 1848, and it took 72 years from that point to even be able to vote. We've made huge strides in supporting their God-given design so they can bless the world, but a lot more needs to be done. We have women leading in practically every area of society. The military, corporations, politics, media, education, missions, sports, and most importantly, raising up of the next generation of world changers, whether naturally or spiritually. You know, asking a wife and a mother if she works it is not appropriate. God made a woman to be able to reproduce to raise up godly children. And I don't know what job you have, but that's work. Believe you, me. I mean, raising children is hard. And for a, for a, a, a mother to not be considered a working woman is, I can't even, I don't even know the right word for it. That is her work. And then you have a woman like the Proverbs 31 woman who has a husband and raising children and taking care of her household, household and she was in real estate buying and selling lands and traveling. Now you have this expanded 
definition of a woman. So those who think that women should only have, you know, be married and have children and to be in the workplace is ungodly is not true. You can't use Proverbs 31 anymore as the, uh, as the exemplary godly woman. She's everywhere, man. She's serving the poor. She's making her own clothes, right? She's selling and buying real estate. She's raising her children. Women are powerful, intelligent, forceful. And listen to this. And I want you to really hear this. Not every strong woman is a Jezebel. That comes from insecure, that comes from insecure men that are afraid of a woman's power. I haven't even gotten to Jesus yet, man. I don't know what's going to happen here today. I, I want to get to, we've got to get to Jesus. But this is really important because when we, when we relegate strong, powerful women as a Jezebel, you just might be looking at a Deborah. A military commander who was a woman in Israel who was also the judge of an entire nation. She was at the highest political and military positions you could possibly have. And the, and the general of the army asked her to please come to battle with us. And she said, okay, I'll do this thing. But if I do, the woman's going to get the credit. And then when she defeated this, this army that had 900 iron chariots that was the highest uh, military technology at the time. And she wiped him out, leading her army. The general of that army escaped, and he ends up in a tent with some woman who drove a tent peg through his temple and killed him. I'm just saying, watch out. You don't know who you're sleeping with. She's got, she's got a little more moxie than you may realize. The Jezebel spirit can be in a man or a woman. It's a controlling spirit trying to pull down authority. When you have a strong, I pray all the time, since the beginning of this church, I say, God, add to me valiant men and women whose hearts you have touched. I love strong women and strong men. Because they hear from God and they are just ready to take territory for the kingdom. And men and women are not the same. I mean, you say that these days and you get canceled. I mean, if we're going to do that, let LeBron James join the WNBA and score 800 points a night. Let's just let, and, let, and then let's have half the world's women, you know, say, we will not reproduce. We'll let men do some of it. I mean, it's insanity. I mean, science, logic, and the Bible clearly define man and woman but you can't put them in a box you can't say this is what a woman looks like this is what a woman acts like this is what a woman thinks like you can't do that in fact sociologists um, have found that many men have uh, a third of men have more female traits and third of women have more male traits hope and i are this way her iq blows mine away and i'm not stupid she does really really intelligence but my eq is just maybe a tad higher when our kids need a bottom line they go to hope 
When they just want to emote and let foolishness come out of their mouth for a half hour, they come to me. She, she doesn't have time for that. She's like the book of Proverbs. She just walk in book of Proverbs, man. You know, mom, I got this problem. Just stop it. Yeah. I had this friend and they said this about that. You need new friends. And then she goes back to her phone. Literally. Me, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Come on, let's, let me, tell me what happened. And we'll just go for, a, we'll just go and go, right? So I'm the woman in the relationship and I'm comfortable with that. Okay, now, oh, by the way, I just got to do this. I'm preaching on this today, and uh, somebody had just bought a t-shirt a couple days before I sent an email about what I was teaching on. She's like, oh my gosh, and I just bought this shirt. Well, what I love is she wore wore to school, wore to church today. Come on up here, Kristen. We got to see this. We got to see this. All right, let's see what, let's see what this t-shirt says. So you turn around and face the folks. I'm going to read this. It says, it says, Jesus protected women, empowered women, honored women publicly, released the voice of women, confided in women, was funded by women, celebrated women by name, learned from women, respected women, and spoke of women as examples to follow our turn. Go get them. Hey, Dan, you want to go get a beer after church? Sorry, I'm fasting. Sorry, I'm fasting. I am too. First century Judaism. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed preach through this. First century Judaism. Brutal on women. Now, this wasn't God. This is religion. Okay. God didn't speak from Malachi to Matthew. The last book in the Old Testament to the new, first book in the New Testament, 400 years of silence from God. So what the religious leaders did was they filled the gap with their own wisdom. And they made a, a brutal system that blended uh, spirituality and culture together. And women were the collateral damage of it. In first century Judaism, where Jesus was born and raised in, gave women no voice, no vote, no respect, no formal education. So the boys could be educated, but the girls could not. Could not own property, but were legally their husband's property. They were forbidden to speak to men in public. They had to wear a veil in public or they could be divorced. Uh, a man could divorce a woman for any reason, any reason. If a male guest came over to eat, the woman had to eat in another room. And a woman could not even be an eyewitness in a court of law. First century Judaism. So here comes Jesus. 
You have to understand one of the reasons why the religious leaders hated Jesus so much was because of his treatment of women. I'm going to give you some examples of this. You remember when they caught a woman in adultery, like the religious leaders caught a woman in the act of adultery, and they brought her to church and threw her down at Jesus' feet while he was teaching because they wanted to trap him. Do you know that in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, the law says that if a woman and a man are caught committing adultery, they are both to be stoned to death. Why are they only bringing the woman? I believe it's because when you look at the history of Jesus' relationship to women in his life, they wanted to confront him on the woman. They didn't care about the man. And of course, Jesus shamed the shamers, told him he didn't shame her, and then said, follow me and you'll have the light of life. Told her to quit sinning. Don't do that anymore. Follow me. He brought such dignity to her. He saved her life. And then said, why don't you hang out with me? Follow me. What about the Samaritan woman? Here's a woman in Samaria. I'm going to blow through these. Just give you a little... Uh, hit the nail heads real quick about Jesus and women. The Samaritan woman, she's of a polluted culture and a religiously polluted society. They came out of Babylon after the captivity. And they brought back a lot of Babylonian uh, idolatry and they mixed it with Judaism. And so, they, so the Jews came back and they, they were purifying their religion after coming out of Babylon. And so they, they considered the, the Samaritans uh, dogs and a polluted people. They wouldn't even go through Samaria. They wouldn't let the the sole of their shoe touched Samaritan dirt. They'd go around Samaria, even if it took them an extra day to get to where they were going. And Jesus says in John chapter 4, I must go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. He knew he was going to meet that Samaritan woman who had been married five times and was living with a boyfriend. And he was going to add dignity to her. He was, he was going to affirm her. And do you know that she was the first evangelist of the New Testament? Come on. And... It was the first time in recorded history Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah to a woman, to a Samaritan woman. And some, and I used to until I was corrected by Miss Julie McLean, who knows the Bible very well, that we call her a loose woman because she was married five times. But as I took what she said to me and I started studying the culture at that time, women couldn't divorce men. But men could divorce women for any reason. So rather than thinking that she was a loose woman, how about she got discarded five times and the man she was living with didn't have to show her the dignity to marry her? And Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. Because there's a woman there I need to restore. <laughs> Woo! Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Then there is... The former prostitute who busts into a dinner party she was not invited to, nor 
would any woman be invited to? It's Simon, the Pharisee, who gets to invite the most popular rabbi and the Decapolis, the ten surrounding cities of Jerusalem, to his house for dinner. Hey, this is high-profile stuff. Simon gets to host Jesus, the miracle worker? So, I mean, this is big time. And in the middle of the dinner, this prostitute breaks in and comes to the dinner table and is, is weeping over Jesus' feet and drying his feet with her hair. And, the, of course, Simon the Pharisee, the religious leader, is appalled. And he says in his mind, if this man was a true prophet, he would know what kind of a woman is touching him. Woo, did he get it. <laughs> Jesus, reading his thoughts, says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And you have to read the story, but bottom line is, he honored the woman... To this day, we've been reading about her story. He, he used her as an example of sincere love of God and worship. And Simon as a hater. <laughs> a religious, oppressing bigot. Our Jesus, our sweet little Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood. She's not allowed to be in public. The Bible says that when you have the issue of blood for seven days, you are to go away and not be in public. You're unclean. She had it for 12 years. It wouldn't stop. Could you imagine the shame? Spent all of her money. The doctors could not help her. She's relegated to isolation and considered unclean her entire life. But she knew if I could just touch Jesus. If I could just touch Jesus' clothes, I will be healed. She doesn't care. She breaks all social norms and she busts out in the public and she grabs a hold of Jesus' garment and healing flowed through him. You notice he didn't choose who to heal and who not to heal. Her faith drew it out of him. He is the healer. And he turns around and said, who touched me? And they said, everybody's touched you. What do you mean who's touched you? Somebody touched me with faith. And he turns and he sees the woman. And he honors her faith as an example to follow for everyone up till today. This unclean woman. Jesus also, coming to a close here, Jesus had many women who were close friends. That is a big, fat, no, no. And first century Judaism as a rabbi? You think Mary, Mary and Martha, he'd come through town? He didn't go up to Jerusalem. He went to Mary and Martha's house, reclining on their couch, talking to them. They were close friends. When Lazarus died, it says Jesus, or Lazarus, Jesus' friend. He's friends with these ladies. Jesus had wealthy women who traveled with him and his ministry team who supported his ministry. No other rabbis had women traveling with them. There were only three women and one man at the cross, John, in Jesus' darkest hour. Everybody else fled. He loved them well, including Mary Magdalene, 
the former prostitute. Mary Magdalene was the only one that touched Jesus when he rose from the dead. And there were two women who were the first ones to see Jesus resurrected. And Jesus told them, go tell the guys. (laughs) Now, I'm not putting men down to elevate women. Today, we're just elevating women to the rightful place in God's economy. Women are powerful, designed by God to be nurturers and scientists and lawyers and engineers and nurses and doctors and preachers and teachers, which I will hit next week. So I would just like the women in this house to please stand. And I want to say that in this church, you're allowed to be all that God has called you to be. What I hope in this house is that you will feel so honored. In fact, the Bible says, I didn't show you the scripture, but God cares so much about you that there's a little caveat he put in the Bible for men, for husbands in particular. It says, and likewise, you men, in First uh, Peter 3, 7. Likewise, you men. In fact, we'll just look at this. If you can put that back up. I want to show you this verse. First Peter 3, 7. Yeah, it's in my notes there. I'm going to look at the screen. So forgive me, online community. I'm going to put my back to you. The same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Everybody say, honor them. Honor them. Delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages. In that society in particular, I just read it to you, right? But also, in the Greek, it literally means physical stature. So, men can dominate women physically. And Peter, knowing that, said, hey, don't, what's that? Well, no, there are some women who can absolutely beat up men. But, okay, let's not go there. (laughs) Come on, don't get testy. Let me, give me some grace as I preach this very difficult message. As women, they lack some of your physical advantages in particular. But in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. Right there. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't go aground. Women, wives, God has put a protective measure in the spiritual economy of your husband's relationship with him. If your husband is mistreating you, God will not answer his prayers. That's a dad. Ryan and I were talking about this before church. Where are you, Ryan? Ryan Bia, he's in there somewhere. He's got pretty, he's got pretty daughters like I do. And I said, man, I hope you got a big stick. Right? The boys are going to be coming around. And I looked at his daughter and I said, have you noticed that we're kind of protective of our daughters? God, where do we get that from? God is very protective of his daughters. And so he says to a man that comes along and says, I want to be your husband. God says, okay, hey, 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 hey. Come on, let's have a talk. 
just like I've done with all three of my daughter's boyfriends. Can we talk? God says, if you mistreat her, you're going to have trouble in your prayer life. I won't won't tolerate it. I just want to pray a blessing over you. We love you. We honor you. We respect you. And you are allowed to rise to the highest levels of your God-given design in any arena of life that God calls you to. And we will support you and champion you and celebrate you as you fulfill your fullness and God's creative makeup that He has made you to be. We bless you. I bless you with a Father's blessing, a spiritual Father's blessing. I bless you as a man. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You do not have to operate out of the flesh to prove your womanhood. Be dignified. Rest in God. Be confident that God sees you, made you, and that you're powerful. Be at peace in your soul for you are well loved and marvelously made by the creator God in Jesus name Amen Amen sing one song and then I'm going to call the prayer teams up you know it doesn't take a gift of prophecy to say there are women in this room who have been abused, misused, mishandled dishonored, I've spoken to many and I have also experienced over the years Tremendous healing when women come up for prayer in the prayer teams. A lot of these prayer teams, I'll be up here myself to bless you and pray over you. And maybe God will say something to you prophetically that goes right into your childhood or right into a situation that you're in that's a word of knowledge that can just liberate you. And so after we worship together as a body, male and female, If you want to come up for prayer, um, something supernatural might happen for you. Healing may take place. But just know we love you. Let's all stand. Let's worship. And then I'll call the prayer teams up after we worship. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you, live for you, Jesus
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. We sing out holy. Beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Let's sing out worthy. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring yeah Lord you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh Jesus every voice Jesus Jesus name above every other name could ever say
I know we're a little bit over time, but I, I just uh, feel impressed the Lord to just invite the women to come up. I want to lay hands on you and just bless you. If all the women in the church could come on up. In fact, I'm going to ask the men to come behind you. So women, come on up here. Yeah. All the women come up front and the men behind them. Lay your hand on their shoulder and just begin to bless them. Pray for them. Hey, Mark, would you uh, join me up front here? Come on this side. Gary, would you come over up here in front? Let's just begin to lay hands on them as well. Hey, Toby, would you come up front here with us? Would you join us up here? begin to lay hands on just bless you just bless you Could sing these songs as I often do. Every song will stand. You never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a Oh, uh-huh. 
not been prayed for uh, you can can stay up here if you would like uh, added prayer um, stay up here and the prayer teams I'm going to call the prayer teams up to come and just remain up here because there may be some people that want to linger and have extra prayer well we'll pick this up again next week God bless